This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. I've got my brother with me today, Mike. How you doing, Mike? I am doing fine. You, you know, I, I found a, an old wallet that I had put away, and it, and it, it was it's got, it was Russell's. Oh. And, and uh, it, it's got his pictures in it, and I think his girlfriend's pictures, and uh, also. Uh, it's got a couple of things. It's actually got my old Airborne picture that I oh. I had years ago, and it was uh, it brings back a lot of cool. Russ in today's world would be considered a cool fella. Yep. Everybody loved him. Yep. Uh, and I guess he's the only one. Well, I don't have any musical ability, and I know you don't. So thank you very much. And he did. Yeah. He did, and uh, actually. Uh, played the, uh, the drums. I don't know if you remember that. I can you, remember him playing the drums. Because I was thinking, you know, probably you were in Nam at that time when he started doing that. But, uh, yeah, he uh, uh, he could actually sing and actually, you know, uh, had a little musical ability, which I don't have any of it. No. But you... Uh... You you're well rounded. You're you were a whole lot smarter than Russ and I were in math and science and, and those type things, and and you were a pretty darn good football player for MTSU too, and uh, you played against uh, w- what was the Navy guy? Starbuck. Uh, well, I never can remember him. Roger Starbuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just a has been. I can remember. I, I can remember. When we got to Pensacola and got on the football field, mm-hmm. and, I, of course, I had seen Roger Staubach on TV when yeah. he was playing with Navy. And when he came out on the field, I was absolutely shocked. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be, in my mind, six foot, six one. Mm-hmm. He was six five, could fly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we were lucky enough to, uh, to beat them uh, in, at Pensacola. Uh, Did you get an interception? No, a guy named uh, Mike Matheny. I think Mike Matheny intercepted him. I may be wrong, maybe three times, but I had one coming. Just, I mean, here it was. I reached out to get it, and here comes Matheny in front of me and grabs it. You never will forget that, will you? No, I'm so mad at him. I I lost my bragging rights right there. Yeah. But uh, we were were fortunate. Uh, We played under, uh, oh, I was. we played under Coach Murphy, and Coach Murphy was just a super coach. Uh, yeah. I've told a lot of people that uh, I saw him mad one time. Never saw him demeanor, uh, you know, uh, a kid. Yeah. Uh, he did. He wasn't a browbeater. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, when we were well, '65, the year we were undefeated, mm -hmm. uh, when, during the uh, fall camp, we were eating breakfast, and uh, Coach Murphy came in, and he got on his mic, and he ripped us up and down. I never had heard him get on to a player or say anything. Or say how bad work. No, not no. anything. Yeah. And he didn't curse. If he ever cursed, I never heard him. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Uh, but uh, uh, he just told us how sorry we were, and in, in few words, how bad we were. And uh, I guess that might have woke us up. Because uh, you know we didn't. You weren't anybody. used to that. No, well, not not from him. Yeah. Now some of the other coaches. Now you uh, you got it pretty good. You know I've been lifted up off my feet a couple of times by a coach, and uh, but uh, we went on. We were undefeated, and I don't know. Probably every game we played, except for maybe one or two, we were behind in the second half. Mm -hmm. And Teddy Morris. Uh, they can say what they want to about Teddy Morris, but Teddy Morris was cool. Yeah, he didn't get he didn't get frustrated. Uh, you know, he we, had a great arm. Well, he had a lot of athletic ability. Yeah, he may not have been the fastest person in the world, but he was quick, and he could run the ball. And but he he'd find a receiver. Uh, but Teddy was Teddy was sharp. I mean. Uh, he he knew what was going on. You know, we were behind what I don't know two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against uh, Austin P. And Austin P. had put in some kind of little rinky dink uh, pass where they were picking us, the defensive backs, and overloading one side. And it took us a while. Was that to, at Clark? Just to it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we came back and won the ball game. And. Uh, uh, course you know teddy wasn't the only one on the team that took mm -hmm. us down the field we had some pretty darn good receivers at that time too yeah uh and uh, uh but uh, uh you know i was fortunate to play with some good ball players and uh, had had a really good football coach well you know you know the, the thing about coach murphy is you don't always see this in in a college town but he brought the town and the school together because he knew just about everybody that lived in Murfreesboro, and he would talk to them down on the square, or if he saw somebody on the other side, he would holler at them. He, he was just one of those people that made a big difference in the community. Yes, he was a friendly person, um, played a lot of golf yeah. at the country club, uh, he and the coaches, and... Uh, but you know, um, the Hall of Fame baseball. He was in the Hall of Fame baseball, and you know, which we were fortunate enough to be in. And mm -hmm. he was there every time, and uh, uh, knew everybody, and friendly. He, you know, he, I, you know, he was just one super nice guy. Yeah. And, you know, a gentleman. Let's just call it what it is. He was yeah. a gentleman. Yeah, he was one of those people. I know you and a lot of other football players have really wanted a statue of Coach Murphy put up uh, over there somewhere near the football field, and it never has been done, and, and I don't under, really don't understand it. It's very disappointing to me. I mean, everybody says, you know, well, uh, the gymnasium, mm -hmm. you know, it's named after him, yeah. you know, Murphy Center. Well, yeah. that's okay. That's okay. Uh, and I played ball with Boots Donnelly, mm -hmm. and – and I don't mean this in disrespect, but I get very disappointed or 
don't like the fact that I see Boots's statue there who played under Murphy. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing there. I started... And it belongs there. Yeah, it I really started. Does. I started a few years ago. Uh, got some information and tried, and I got the price of a bust, mm -hmm. uh, which was very reasonable. But I never could get anybody involved. Uh, you know, that stuff costs a little money, and uh, I'll have to. I'll have to give the players that played for uh, Boots. I have to give them a, you know, a shout out. Because they got together and, you know, they got it done and got the money mm -hmm. to pay for that. The university's not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to do it. Uh, it has to be the players. And, of course, we've all gotten, you know, up in age. And uh, it's difficult for, you know, our ball players at, you know, at our age to give up a whole lot of money. Yeah. And, um, and of course, a lot of them are dead right now. Yeah, I know, think that's the key, right? Yeah, you know, we've started dying out, and some of the ball players. And I don't, I don't mean this in disrespect, but some of the ball players that I played with need to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and they're not. And uh, you know, it's an honor to be, you know, nominated. And but uh, you know, uh, this committee right now, they don't know what we did and how we played. Yeah. And they don't know the. Guy Dotson, I mean Guy Dotson, Larry Dotson. Mm -hmm. Larry Dotson, you know, in my opinion, he was a linebacker that I played with. Super nice guy, a leader on the team. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, you know, we've got some guys that uh, played on that team that uh, uh, the Gallatin coach, uh, you know, was undefeated and mm -hmm. won so many state championships. He's not in the Hall of Fame. You know, and I think a lot of this, you know, how well you played on the field and what you've done outside and what you've done for the university needs to play into it, you know. Uh, but it doesn't. Uh, and it can't right now even, you know, with these people on the committee. They don't know who we were. And, the, and that's, that's the big part of the problem is as the years go by, uh, you see it w w when, when you watch a football game on television and and people who were great in the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s, they aren't even mentioned anymore. It, it's just like today's players are really the only ones that we're really concerned about. Well, and that's, and that's a problem. Yeah, that 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 kind of is. And and uh, uh, you know, uh, how many people know who Billy Cannon is? You know, I do. Yeah, I do too. But I, I remember the uh, punt return very, very well. That 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 made the national championship. He for probably ran over every player on the In, team against Mississippi. <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, you know, and and those guys are you know, uh, they're forgotten. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and the same thing with uh, other other you know. Uh, uh, things in life, you know, actors and, and, you know, the people that we grew up watching on uh, TV and the people we watched in the movies, they're all dead, and our kids don't know who they are. They have no, no idea. And that's, I mean, you know, that's just the fact of life. They're going to forget about us. Did, when, when, when you were uh, left MTSU, did you uh, really think that you would be a lifetime teacher when you left there was that the that was that your goal or were you looking at something else because you've been in real estate and you've had, been in the farming industry pretty much your whole life in fact you used to go to uncle stanley's when you were just a little kid and help him uh with 
either the pigs or the cows or whatever? Uh, never, ever dreamed about teaching school when I was in college. That was, or coaching. Yeah. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I was going to manage a farm or I was going to do something in the agricultural business. Actually, and, Al, Al uh, Gore Sr., yes, you, you I, did work for him. I worked for him one that would have been my uh, year before my senior year in yeah. the summer. Uh, actually, it was year of was junior. Uh, they had a uh, uh, job offer from uh, Gore that was sent to MTSU, and they went through interviews mm-hmm. uh, to... Uh, uh, there were some cattle, 23 head of cattle would be uh, quarantined in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was asked to apply for it by the head of the department, and I, I, I applied for it. And uh, I, I got the job, mm-hmm. and I got the job. He, I said, what in the world, how did I get this job and, you know, in front of everybody else? Mm-hmm. He said, you were the only candidate that didn't ask how much money you were going to make. Mm. And I thought, well, that's strange, you know. And I bet there's a lot of people out there that are putting in applications for places <laughs> and say, ooh, I don't want to list that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was kind of funny. But uh, then I was allowed to hire uh-huh. myself someone to go with me. Yeah. And I hired Stan McNabb, who happens to own a few color, uh, car dealerships here in, here in Tennessee and in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Stan and I drove in his car to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and we got to the uh, the place where they unloaded them, and it was, you know, it was uh, uh, nothing but cinders. Mm. I still remember going into that lot, and the ships were coming in there, mm-hmm. and uh, they brought the cattle out. They, they were in crates and lifted them up and set them down, and uh, we uh, pinned them up, and uh, the pen was not, I mean, 23 head of cattle, the pen was not very big. Hmm. And uh, Stan and I had a trailer that we were to stay in that they had put in there. And it was under a water tower. Had no air conditioning. Had, uh, now we're talking about Charleston, South Carolina in the summer. Yeah. And uh, this would have been right the 1st of June. And... Uh, we had you some mean awesome. the goers didn't pay for your stay oh yeah they paid for our stay <laughs> trailer and uh, we would come out in the mornings and uh, step down we had a wooden thing to go across because of water mm-hmm. from the, from the uh, water tower and the mosquitoes would just cover you up oh yeah and uh, we would go to bed at night and fans going windows open probably had the door open because uh, it was hot, and uh, uh, we had to uh, we had to check the cattle every day, mm-hmm. and uh, went down one morning. I think I fed by myself and started running some of them through a chute, and I had uh, one of the one of the calves, one of the heifers, had a temperature of 104, 105, yeah. and uh, oh my goodness, uh, you, you just can't imagine. Here I am, you know, probably. I had probably hadn't reached 20 yet, and I called. Uh, we had federal veterinarians, and I called the federal veterinarian. Well, they don't do actual vet work. 
And so what do they do? Well, they inspect. They're more inspectors than yeah. anything. Yeah. And so I had to get a vet in another town. I mean, there weren't any vets in Charleston that we could get of at that time. And uh, I had to get a vet, and it was, I mean, I was terrified because, you know, 104 degrees, black cow, out no shade. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I finally got a vet, and got the vet, and we started doctoring them. And every one of them went through a sickness. Were all those Angus? They were all Angus. And uh, the bull's name, I believe, if I'm correct, was Eustace of Haymont. (laughs) had come out of... uh, uh, New Zealand, and uh, he was insured for like thirty dollars or $40,000. Mm. And uh, I got the nicest letter when we left there from, I believe it was Harding, and Harding was the insurance company. Mm-hmm. said if I ever needed a job, you know, they would vouch for me because yeah. all the cattle, we we doctored and doctored and doctored and doctored, and finally we got them, got them all well and got them back to uh, Carthage. Yeah. And... Uh, it was a fiasco. I remember when we loaded them up, the truck broke down that Gord sent. Had to get it fixed. And we finally got home, and uh, I worked for Gore through the rest of the summer. Mm-hmm. I lived in the hotel there in Carthage. And it was quite an experience, quite an experience. Yeah. And uh, when I graduated from college, he uh, offered me a job of managing one of his, uh, he had two separate farms. Yeah. So I was offered a job managing one of the farms, and the house was livable. But he had furniture in it, and in one spot it was all piled up in the middle. And uh, I didn't take the job because he wouldn't move the furniture. He wouldn't? Would not move the furniture. Wow. Which, uh, you know, which was okay. I, you know, I, I didn't take the job, and uh, I uh, ended up working in... Uh, uh, North Carolina, managing a horse farm. Mm-hmm. That's where I learned to artificial inseminate. And uh, it was a fiasco. I was the only one there at the farm. And, oh, wow. Uh, I was handling mares and doing artificial insemination by myself, which is too dangerous. Yeah. And collecting off of a stud. I shouldn't be saying that. But anyway, uh, you know, I did it all by myself. It was like a circus. And... Uh, I was there, I don't know, a year, and uh, we had... Uh, Somebody texting you. Uh-huh. Uh, your uh, it was, that was a good experience for me, but I've, I've, man, I've been in... Uh, I've managed uh, three horse farms. I've been stallion manager yeah. for, at three horse farms, and uh, uh, got to meet a lot of good people. And got a lot of good contacts. And actually, I'd say one of my very best friends in the world uh, I met through the horse business. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, he and I owned the stallion together. And uh, he's in New Orleans, and you know who he is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've become very good friends. And it's a shame it's he's so far away. But uh, We stayed on his uh, at his farmhouse yes. just outside of New Orleans. And uh, th- that's where uh, Daddy, Mama, uh, Jackie, you, Robbie, we we all went to the uh, Sugar Bowl that yep. year when Tennessee was playing Virginia. Yes, uh, and I've been to the Sugar Bowl a few more times since yeah. then. He's uh, gotten me uh, tickets, and 
you know, it's a good experience. I mean, you know, Sugar Bowl is something else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is for old country boy like me. And, uh, uh, you know, got to sit in uh, booths mm-hmm. up, up, up in uh, clubhouses. And uh, uh, one year we were in, uh, what was it, uh, one of the beers that had it. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bank of New Orleans. And uh, Casey and I were sitting in that clubhouse mm-hmm. at the Bank of New Orleans, and I punched her. I said, look who's sitting over there at the left of you, and it was uh, uh, Manning. Oh, my. And uh, The the real Manning, the, the, the UT real, Manning. Yeah, it was yeah. Peyton Manning, and yeah. he was uh, 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 with his brother. And, uh, you know, that you, know, you just don't ever know who you're going to run into in New Orleans, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, I love to go down Bourbon Street. I don't like the odor of Bourbon Street, but I love to go because you just never know what you're going to find. I can't stand the smell of New Orleans, <laughs> to be honest with and, you. Uh, uh, but uh, we were there one year, New Year's, and uh, uh, got caught in a crowd uh, right at midnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I swore then I would never be on Bourbon Street again at at that time because it yeah. was uh, it was chaotic. You you if you were to have lost your footing, everybody was moving uh, toward the end of Bourbon Street. I don't know where they were going. Yeah. I think they were going to Jackson Square is where I think they were going because yeah. that was the direction we were headed. Mm-hmm. But we got out of there. We finally got fought our way out of that crowd and got to a side street and got out of it. But I don't want to be in a crowd like that again because it was scary. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I've had a, I've had a few jobs, but uh, I started working. Uh, I got uh, I had to go back to school, and I went to in Cleveland. I went to uh, I don't know Cleveland State. Uh, I don't even remember the name of it. Over in East Tennessee. Yeah, and uh, got my. Uh, certificate to, to teach school. Got a job in Cannon County. Uh, taught there a couple of years. Went to College Grove and, and uh, caught there, taught there two years, and it closed down King Page. Yeah. And uh, You had an undefeated years. football team there. I had an undefeated football team and got mm-hmm. beat uh, seven to nothing in the playoffs. Oh. Uh, we were actually probably a better team than the one that beat us. Yeah. Uh, we had a call. Uh, we were the fourth quarter. We had a call. We had a long run. And uh, I can still see what the official called. Uh, we got inside the 20, maybe the 10-yard line. We were ready to score. And uh, uh, our center had blocked the nose guard mm-hmm. and pancaked him. Well, when he got up, he put his hands on him to get up. And they called holding. Oh wow! And uh, it probably the game probably would have ended up nothing to nothing. And I I did something that I'd never do again. The team was punting to us, mm-hmm. and I had noticed on film that one of my defensive backs was not paying attention mm-hmm. to the football when it was in the air. I called timeout and called him specifically over to the sidelines. And I, I won't tell you his name, but I told him, I said, I've noticed in the films you're not watching where the ball's going. I said, you be careful and don't get hit by the ball. Well, they punted. 
you hit him in the back, they got mm. the ball inside the 10-yard line and scored. Mm. And uh, they would never have scored if that hadn't happened. Yeah. So, you know, I always think, why in the world did I call timeout and tell him that? <laughs> it was like it was a magnet. <laughs> but, uh, and then I, I got out of the, I got out of the uh, educational business and went to uh, uh, the horse business again. Mm -hmm. Seemed like the horse business has always called me back to it, and uh, it was it was a lucrative business back oh, then. Oh yeah, I've, uh, I've I did really well uh, in the horse business. I won't complain. Yeah. Uh, but when the federal government got involved, and uh, uh, I kind of saw the handwriting on the wall. Uh, was it as bad as they said it was? The soaring process. Maybe with some, with some. Trainers, yes, probably. Yeah. With most of the trainers, no. Uh, now, when we're talking about soaring, uh, it can be done uh, several different ways. Yeah. Uh, but if you put too much oil or mustard on one, and you don't care, take care of the, their ankles, yes, it can be painful for the horse. Uh, it changes the stride of the horse, doesn't it? Makes him lift his foot up. Yeah. Uh, if, if he's got a chain on, now the chains are just real light stuff. Now it's not like you would think of a heavy chain. Yeah, uh, maybe a six ounce chain, you know, uh, and that's not a lot. Yeah. But you know, when that hits that sore spot, it makes him lift up and and uh, uh, exaggerates his gait. Mm -hmm. uh, the next day. Uh, you know, if he's done, if it, you know, I've seen it done. Uh, if you did it on Friday night, uh, probably Sunday, he's over it. Yeah. Because you clean his feet up, you, uh, and the horse is not in pain, what you would say pain. It's just an irritation. Yeah. Uh, now, I have seen them, you know, where people overdid it. Yeah. But, you know, I always said that horse was a whole lot better off because he got two meals a day. He had all the water he wanted to drink, and he had all the hay he wanted to eat. It's a and, lot of brushing down. Yeah, too. and he was, uh, uh, you know, they think about riding. They might ride one Monday through Thursday mm -hmm. for maybe 15 minutes, maybe. Uh, and that's all the horse did. And if he was going to the show, if he wasn't going to the show on Friday and Saturday night, you know, you're probably not going to ride him because mm -hmm. you're getting ready for the show. So he worked, you know, four days a week. He had free meal. He had a blanket on him. He had, fry, you know, fly spray, flies were off him. He was a lot better off than these horses are today. You know, the ones that are, you know. I never heard of horses being starved to death until the federal government got involved. And then all of a sudden, you got people who've got horses, and, you know, they're not bringing what they used to bring. Yeah. And, you know, the horse used to bring, what, 90 cents? a dollar a pound it's like a thousand pound horse you know even if he brought you know uh 80 cents that's 800 dollars and what's you know. the most you've ever seen a walking horse sold for because i know it was extremely uh rare to have one sold unless they made a fortune uh, you know colts i let a colt through uh uh sell probably i don't know six seven years ago uh, might have been a little longer than that, and he brought twenty three thousand dollars. Yeah, coat yearling coat. 
Uh, but some of them brought a whole lot more than that. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's a pretty good price for a yeah. Colt. Uh, you know, 150, 200,000, you know, uh, that's common. It's still yeah. common. Do you remember the one that was on the Arthur Godfrey show? Yes. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Palomino. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was a walking horse or not. But you Yeah, know, I think he was. You know, a lot of people don't realize if you'll watch some of these old westerns, mm -hmm. uh, Trigger was a walking horse. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them, if you watch The Gate, if he's smooth and... Uh, uh, just look at him. You know, you can recognize the walking horses yeah, on the old shows. Because I do that. I watched a lot of the old westerns. Yeah. And you see the gait. And, of course, they were that way because they were smooth. Yeah. And, you know, they had that, uh, uh, you know, running walk, you know, and single foot, we call it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a smooth gait. It's a whole lot better than a horse. You know, uh, it's very popular nowadays to trail ride. Mm -hmm. And I used to trail ride every weekend. And uh, you didn't trail ride a trotting horse. Now, you're not going to trail ride a trotting horse because you go a few miles on a trotting horse, you know, you're wore out. And yeah. you're riding a walking horse. And the spotted horses have really become popular. And, uh, and well, what, 20 years ago, I guess, is maybe a little, little before that. And the spotted horses really became popular. Is that like riders. a pinto or, or? Black and white, bay and white, like yeah. a pinto, the spotted yeah. horses. And... Uh, uh, used to be an argument. Uh, Roy and I had a, a, a walking horse that was black and white, mm -hmm. and uh, he uh, 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 he stood over it. Uh, I can't think of his name uh, in Shelbyville. Um, I'll think of it in a minute. Mm -hmm. We stood him over there a couple of years, and then I stood him, uh, but paint sparkles and. A lot of people will tell you that there's no such thing as a spotted walking horse. Mm -hmm. Well, I beg to differ with them because when I was a little boy, I used to go to Harlandsdale to the sales. I've seen spotted horses all my life. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe not as lit up as some of them that we have today because they've been bred for that. But the very first horse I had, uh, I bought at a sale walking horse, and it was an F-88 mare. And uh, she was spotted. She had a big old spot on her belly. Hmm. And uh, I can remember bringing a lost a coat, but to a black, solid black horse that uh, Jimmy McFarland, our Uncle Armand, yeah. had Scatman. He was solid black. And I crossed that mare on her, and I got a bay and white coat, Philly coat. And unfortunately, she got kicked and uh, died from the, uh, the injury. Hmm. But, uh, I mean... Uh, Back when we were going, you know, 10, 11 years old, uh, to Harlandsdale, uh, a lot of the walking horses were, were, uh, didn't have a full pedigree. Hmm. In other words, they'd have unknowns on them. Yeah. You know, as long as you were crossing them on a registered stallion, then they were still registering them. And, you know, even if the mare wasn't registered or if the mare had a, you know, the mare may have three or four unknowns, they didn't know what they were by. So, I mean, there were a lot of mares bred, I'm sure, that were spotted that uh, to walking horses. And uh, that's, you know, that's where it came from. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, I mean, these young kids and young people in the business, they don't understand, you know, they don't know that. But uh, it's just like I'm in the sheep business now. And uh, uh, raise, I've got some registered dorpers. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a difference. There's full bloods and purebreds. The purebreds, 
the full buds have been bred to other sheep, mm -hmm. and they've kept a record of it. So if you breed to one of those, you get a 50%. Then if you cross it back on a, a full blood, you get a 75 on up to the 80s. And then once it gets into the 90s, you don't have to worry about it. But uh, they're called purebreds. Mm -hmm. But the full bloods, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, Dorpers originated uh, from Australia. And that's where they came from. So I've got all full bloods. I don't have any purebreds. So why why would the pedigree of the sheep make a big difference in, in, in the amount that you would receive off of it? Uh, probably the biggest thing right now with the Dorpers is rarity. They're yeah. rare. And uh, uh, the sheep industry has kind of bloomed in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Mm. Uh, I got into it strictly because of a trip I made, uh, uh, Womack, Ricky Womack had some hay uh, over in another barn or told me where some was. Mm -hmm. And I went over to that barn to buy some hay. And uh, he had, the first time I'd ever seen them, mm -hmm. uh, hair sheep. And uh, I was kind of infatuated with them. And you know how the old yellow weed has taken over a lot of farms. Yeah. Well, the yellow weed was everywhere but where the sheep were. Mm. And uh, Aunt Nancy had a lot of yellow weed in her field. So I uh, asked him, I said, they ain't that yellow weed? That was mostly that the, the, the field that had Front a lot field. of Yes, yes. And uh, he said, yeah, they eat it. I said, you're kidding me. I said, I don't, I've never seen an animal that would eat that. He mm. said, they eat it. So I said, well, I'm going to try this. So I uh, got on the Internet, and I found uh, you with... Uh, uh, twin ewes on her hmm. and I went to uh, Robbie and I went to uh, Springfield and I bought them for a hundred dollars and uh, brought them back home and uh, I went over to uh, uh, Fred Adams partner who had some sheep mm -hmm. and uh, I bought uh, a ram from him when these were ready to be bred and I bought four or five ewes from him at that time and uh, that's how I got started. And uh, now I've got well over 100, and I, all I've ever bought since then have been uh, my registered dorpers. Mm -hmm. And uh, my uh, and I've bought rams, but I haven't bought any more ewes since then. And so, they, I mean, that's how quickly it's grown. I've been in it about maybe, maybe 15 years. Do they smell? Because I no. know that I, there's a big uh, John Wayne movie, Big Jake. And he's sitting up there on this big mountain all by himself, and they're about ready to lynch a uh, sheep herder. Yeah. And uh, they made the mistake of hitting his son, which uh, made John Wayne very angry. So he rides down, and and uh, they uh, he he said, "You guys must be sheep herders." And he said, and uh, the guy said, "No, we're we're gonna we're gonna kill him because he's bringing sheep in." And John Wayne said. Oh, that smell. That's wondered what I was smelling. <laughs> That's just all uh now, <laughs> It's all Hollywood, right? Yeah, it's all, well, sheep is all Hollywood. Yeah. Now now goat's a whole different story. Goat has a stink stink gland just like deer do. Yeah. You know, you kill a deer. I didn't you, smell our uh goats when Jackie had goats. Yeah, uh, you you became immune to it because they've got <laughs> they've got an odor. Uh but uh, uh goats do have an odor and sheep don't have an odor. And it's it's amazing, uh uh, that they're just like their dog, like a dog's hair. Yeah. 
and uh, they get along in the winter fine. They'll, uh, they'll, uh, uh, you might say, it's not wool up. They'll hair up in the winter and cover. And, you know, yeah. they're pretty tough. Now, you, you have to have protection for sheep, when, when especially way out in the country like you are at Auburn Town. And uh, uh, there, there's a kind of dog that just absolutely takes care of them. Yeah, the Pyrenees. I've got three of them. Yeah. Uh, I've got two that are older, and I've got a pup that uh, I'm trying to get indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, when we first started there, I had Pyrenees at the other farm. Well, you couldn't catch them. Yeah. And uh, we'd trap them, and I, you know, uh, I didn't think I, I was going to take them to the other farm. So we got some uh, uh, Jennies. Yeah. And Jennies hate dogs. I mean, they hate dogs. Well, uh, I had those a few years, and I was losing babies left and right. They're scared. Of, I don't care what people say. They are scared of coyotes. Because they scared mine to death, and then I got my I got big Ralph out there, yeah. and there was no more coyotes left out there. Yeah, you take a band of coyotes now, you know, at night, uh, and sometimes even now we'll hear the coyotes in the mornings and late at night, and you're not talking about five or six. You yeah. know, you're talking about maybe twenty five or thirty in a band. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they run in packs. Yeah, and. Uh, a Pyrenees, they're just not scared of nothing. And, of course, they've got a thick coat on them that keeps the coyotes from biting them. Yeah. And uh, they've got that extra claw, and they can dig like nobody's business. Uh, but uh, I went from losing uh, babies consistently to when I got my Pyrenees that I, I don't lose them. Yeah. Uh, you can watch a Pyrenees and... And all of a sudden, they start across that field. You know where he's headed. Yeah. And uh, but uh, the only problem that you have with Pyrenees, they bark all night. See, Ralph never barked. Yeah. Well, he's an unusual one because they bark. Mm-hmm. They bark all night. And uh, there's another guard dog, and I cannot think of his name, but he's a little bit bigger than the Pyrenees. And that's what a lot of people are going to now because yeah. because of the lack of barking, and they seem to be not as cruel to domestic dogs uh my pyrenees are going to attack a dog yeah if if it's a dog and a horse well yours did but mine are not now mine not going to attack mine took a horse Uh, down yeah Uh, that's unusual yeah Uh, most of the time if they've run with animals uh you know they learn they're they're pretty sharp yeah you know i've got horses cows and sheep very bright and uh you know, I don't, I don't worry about you know I don't worry about coyotes anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I you know some people use llamas and evidently uh, I've seen some pictures just recently of some dorpers that are running with uh, uh, the llamas. We're so, going we're going to have to take a quick okay. break and uh, we'll be right back, guys. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Adams Place is founded by Dr. Carl E. Adams, a physician and lifelong resident of Middle Tennessee. 
He and Jenny May had a dream of building a campus concept of life care facilities for older adults. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Discover that senior living is fun. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. President Donald Trump has nominated another strong conservative to the Supreme Court. Amy Coney Barrett shares our conservative Tennessee values, and she respects our Constitution and the rule of law. Bill Haggerty supports Amy Coney Barrett's nomination, and he's running for Senate to help President Trump confirm more constitutionalist judges. Here's Bill Haggerty. The liberal mob is attacking the values that make America great. They want to take away our religious liberties, take away our Second Amendment rights, and encourage taxpayer-funded abortion up until the moment of birth. The mob knows they can't pass their radical agenda in Congress, so they want to hijack the courts to do their dirty work. Together, we can stop them. As your senator, I'll stand with President Trump to confirm constitutionalist Supreme Court justices like Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, and Neil Gorsuch. I'm Bill Haggerty, candidate for United States Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Team Haggerty. Now's the time to start teaching good financial habits to your children, and we're here to help. Hi, I'm Nancy with Heritage South Community Credit Union. Our chipmunk and squirrel saver accounts help your child learn how to save and reward them for regular deposits or good grades. Our team cash accounts help your team learn to manage their money wisely and have options to build their credit. To learn more, visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, insured by the NCUA. You don't have hot dogs or apple pie or no Chevrolet to drive, but we have some hickory smoke wings you're just dying to try. You'll try them, you'll like them, you'll give some to a friend. So on a dare, just stop on by and bring in a friend. Slick Pig Barbecue, 1920 East Main. Update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Laverne Mayor Jason Cole has named Sergeant Burrell Chip Davis as interim police chief following the retirement of Chief Mike Walker in September. Davis has been in law enforcement for 22 years and worked for the Laverne Police Department for 17 of those years. Before coming to LPD, he worked for the Metro Nashville Juvenile Court Warrant Division. The search for a new police chief continues. Murfreesboro City Schools have announced that they are part of the National Farm to School program with harvests weighing in at over a ton this year. October is celebrated as National Farm to School Month, recognizing and celebrating the connections happening across the country between students, families, and schools. MCS officially began the Farm to School program in 2014. National Farm to School Month was designated by Congress in 2010, making this year's campaign the 10th anniversary of National Farm to School Month celebrations. Governor Bill Lee is in coronavirus quarantine. The governor's office announced yesterday the governor tested negative after a member of his executive security detail was diagnosed with the virus. Lee will be quarantining at his home with his wife until further notice. He tweeted that he's feeling fine and working from home. Tennesseans seem really anxious to vote. Record numbers for the first day of early voting ahead of November's elections are being reported across the state. Secretary of State Trey Hargett is encouraging early voting to avoid Election Day crowds during the ongoing coronavirus outbreak. 
Early voting will run through Thursday, October 29th. Election day is Tuesday, November 3rd. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the like button or follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential. They're open. They're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Hi, Bargain Hunters. Listen up. French's Shoes and Boots is where you need to come for the best brands at the best prices. Boot brands like Justin, Tony Lama, Lucchese, Keen, Thoroughgood, Ariat, and many more. Shoe brands like Merrill, Ariat, Twisted X, and Hey Dude. Clothing by all the name brands, 50 to 70% off. Caps, hats, and accessories all marked down for this once-a-year sale. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. See mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-70s. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, chance for rain showers alone near 46. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 61. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From NAC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. You know, a great thing about Adams Place, they take care of everybody, whether you have a condo here or, or whatever. And uh, I, I guess I, I can relate to everybody here because. Uh, we're we're all of a certain age group yeah. and, and things like that, and it's it's really a nice place, and I enjoy it. And I'm so glad that Brian uh, ha- has completely fixed our radio system because I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I enjoy everything just working correctly for for one time. And you know, we haven't talked about, uh, much about, or maybe we haven't even talked about it at all education and the thing that i have noticed about education that it's changed so much since you and i went through the school system it uh, the teachers are 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 seemingly different and i think a lot of it is uh people have got their hands on the education system you you, you know you remember when you and i we would uh be given books that had been passed on for years mm. before and and very few things change, especially in the, in science and math, and and unfortunately, it's changed also in the, in the history books. But 
uh, you and I have talked about this quite often, is what in the world has happened to the math? It, it's, it's just completely, it seems like it's gone insane, like it's some like, of the other things. Uh, math right now is like a different world to you and I. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, probably 90% of the students, I, I would, I, and this may be not close, but I think it is, being a principal and being around the students and being in the classrooms, I'd say 90% of the kids that uh, graduate from high school cannot do long division by hand. And if it has a decimal in it, it, the percentage is going to go up even higher. We've been so dependent on technology and calculators Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, it's a shame. Uh, I can remember... uh, uh, my algebra one teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, going to the board, and it, you know that was was Miss Clark your algebra. No, Miss Clark was my advanced math teacher. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh shoot, I cannot think of the lady's name because she was one of my Miss Hayes. Yeah, she was one of my favorite teacher. Uh, she was strict. You did it uh, by the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did it algebraically correct. And I love to go to the board and explain. And, and all of us got to go to the board, and we'd put problems up. And then we had to explain how we worked it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and she was so good. Uh, I had Ms. McFerrin and, uh, in geometry. Ms. McFerrin T. was... T. McFerrin's mama. Yes, Ms. McFerrin yeah. was a, a well-thought-of teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was blessed that I had those two teachers. Um and really, really enjoyed math in, in high school. And when I got to uh, college uh, in a math class, it was just like, you know, I didn't have to study. Uh, I was so well prepared mm-hmm. uh, when I got into that class. It was it was an easy class. And I often think that uh, my algebra teacher in college begged me to major in math. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had. I really do. You know, hindsight's always better than foresight. But uh, I really wish I had. But this day and time, you look at a third or fourth grade math book. It's Mm -hmm. not like we had. And, uh, I mean, you talk about teachers teaching this and, you know, teachers doing that. Teachers are teaching what they're told to teach. Teachers don't teach what uh, the curriculum, the curriculum on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, when, When we started testing and uh, a TCAP, mm-hmm. and uh, that changed the whole parameter. That changed everything in education. It changed everything because now you had to teach to a test. You were not, you know, uh, I, I when I taught chemistry, I had the uh, privilege mm-hmm. of teaching it my way. I had to pre- and starting where I needed, I thought I needed to do, and there were certain things that, I wanted them to be able to do before they came into a chemistry class, and that was the math. You know, a lot of people don't realize chemistry is, you know, a whole, whole, whole lot of math, and some of it's pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. And when you get a student in there who hasn't had the math background in chemistry, uh, you got troubles. And now chemistry, which should never have been done, and I don't know who did it, is you have to have chemistry to graduate from high school. That's one of the one of the courses you have wow, to take. Wow, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, you have to have chemistry, and uh, 
it's tough when you're not not good in math. And a lot of kids are coming out of grammar school, not the teacher's fault. I'm not going to blame it on the teachers. I'm not going to blame it on the parents. I'm going to blame it on the curriculum. Um, that's my opinion. That's a personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I when I go would go in and evaluate my teachers as a principal, and especially in the math classes, uh, it was a whole different ball game. A whole different ball game from what I had. And I and I wondered, has math changed that much, or the way that we're teaching it changed that much? And uh, who who decided that we were going to do it this way instead of the old way. Uh, I, I don't know if you can or not, but I mean, for years, uh, when I was doing my uh, uh, grading, uh, I did my grading on, by pencil. I didn't do it. I didn't use a calculator. I didn't because yeah. I, I felt it kept me. It kept well, you me. and I didn't use calculators at all no, back those days. But you I weren't did, allowed to. I did all my grades by hand. Yeah. And if I came up with a grade that you know looked a little low or a little high, I was able to recognize I'd made a mistake, and I'd go back and look. Yeah. So what have I done wrong? Uh, these kids today, most of them don't realize that uh, they they don't see the picture clearly, and. Uh, uh, Parents today, they can't help their kids with it's math. It's very difficult. Because they don't really understand why it's set up the way it is. Well, I, you know, Larry Stewart, we were talking about this over, you know, breakfast one day. Larry Stewart made the same statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the math has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I taught algebra for two years. Mm-hmm. And if I, I don't know if I, I could pass uh, a freshman uh test today because I'm watching I can do the algebra but the way they're doing it and the graphing that they're doing and f of x and all of this stuff uh, you know we used to you know we had an unknown and we needed to determine and we made it you know we did our own mathematical formulas for mm-hmm. it and uh, it's it's changed so much today and you take uh, I don't know if it's a third of my you know my daughter uh, Casey, you know, I, I, she's well. I, she's got her doctorate, and she's done really well since she went into education. Yeah, she's very to, bright. She's extremely bright, and we get into arguments over the math, mm-hmm. uh, especially the way it's been taught today. Uh, I remember looking. I don't know, third or fourth grade book, and and I thought, well, no wonder it takes them so long to do a math problem. Mm-hmm. A math problem. That we would do, you know, we've got multiple numbers, let's say in the thousands, let's say of thousands and, mm-hmm. or even the hundreds, and you've got a series of numbers to add, to, to add. Well, they don't do it like we did. They break them down into thousands, hundreds, tens, and units. They add those up, and then they put them together. Well, why in the world are you doing that? Uh, you know, that's It wouldn't opinion. be proper for a business to have that. Well, and I just don't know. I mean, and... You know, I guess they're still doing it, third grade, mm-hmm. uh, multiplication table. Mm-hmm. Most of them don't know their multiplication to, because they learn them, you know, in the third grade, and then they start dividing, and once they've done the division, they hand them a calculator. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like anything else, you know. If you don't keep on doing it and practice, like hitting a baseball, mm-hmm. uh, why do they practice baseball? Why do, why do 
pro pro football players and pro baseball players, why do they practice? They practice to keep in tune. They practice to get better. Yeah. And uh, it's the same thing with, with um, I think, math, adding, subtracting. Uh, most of the, you know, uh, I think about my secretary that I had, uh, you know, we'd be doing, you know, I was always looking at figures, you know, mm-hmm. trying to keep, make sure our monies were spent where they were supposed to be spent. And I'd go in, how much money we have here? And, you know, we'd add things together. Well, by the time she got used through using her calculator, I already had to answer. Because yeah. I do it in my head. And that's some of the things that we learned third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. We'd had to stand up in front of the, you know, we used to have little, little, uh, math quizzes yeah. we stand up you know and they'd give you a, a problem and you'd have to solve it mentally mm-hmm. and they kept us you know they kept us home we you know i could still do that today and uh kids can't do that now because you know some can but it's very few well do you have any idea what the purpose of changing uh how you relate to math problems i have a very good uh estimation of that but i won't say it because it would offend some people uh, uh we've 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 started using some things that uh, uh help certain people but uh that you know that don't need to be done with certain people mm-hmm. and we've we've infiltrated our educational system to the people in the state level mm-hmm. uh, and they're directing and deciding uh how we need to teach uh, the uh, ways that we need to teach and as teachers. And it's, uh, uh, I don't know if you call it far left or far right. You can call it whatever you want to. Uh, well, it's not far right. I can you tell know, you what uh, they're doing now. Uh, you know, when I look at the Walker Todds, the Charles Ivies, uh, the Rodheimers, uh, the people who have been very successful mm-hmm. in life, uh, the people that I went to school with, yeah, uh, and uh, who went on to bigger and better things, uh, you know, those people uh, learned mm-hmm. the way we learned, and I think we've gone away from the traditional way. Uh, I think we've gone too far away from the traditional way. Some of the things that we did, uh, you know, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's wrong with learning the multiplication table? What's wrong with learning how to do math in columns and carrying, et cetera, dividing? What's wrong with knowing how to use decimals mm-hmm. uh, and percentages? Um, and I remember telling one of the kids uh, not long ago, I retired in March, but it hadn't been that long ago I was in the classroom. You know, they were doing a math problem. I was helping him. I wasn't teaching math, but he was working on some math, and I was helping him with the math. And I remember telling him, I said, you know, I used to sell cars, and you was the very person I wanted to sell a car to. What did he say to that? (laughs) You know, he he laughed. He said, you're right. You know, he Uh, said, you're right. Uh, You know, because, you know, uh, even, even, you know, something as little as buying and selling cars and – we're doing the math, uh, you need to be, you know, you need to have an idea of what you're doing. And, you know, I worked for a car dealership and I quit them because all they wanted to do was they didn't want to go price difference. They didn't want to go how much the car is and how much your car is worth. They wanted to go on a payment. 
and you know you're going on the payment you so many fall in that trap yeah and you don't know what your car is worth you don't know what that car is worth and i've seen them go into finance and uh, they were paying more than the car listed for mm. and they had to you know they'd get them this great rate and they'd get them down to you know a lower payment and that's all they were interested in was the payment yeah and uh that's not the way i like i like doing it i couldn't work for them um, because uh, to me it's just that ethical not ethical uh, you know and, and uh, when i first started selling with stan you know they'd come tell us what the you did you the trade-in was worth Mm -hmm. And I knew how much I had in my new car, and I made my own deals. You know, I made my own deals. I didn't have to have a manager come in and say, you can sell it. Yeah. Now, if the profit wasn't worth what they wanted on it, then, you know, I had to have a manager approve it. But other than that, you know, to me, that's the way to sell cars and buy cars. And, you know, you know we can look on... Blue Book, Kelly Blue Book, we can look at this now. We didn't used to couldn't do that, but we can do that. You can see what your car is worth and have a good idea. Yeah. And you've got a pretty good idea of what they're paying for their new car. Mm -hmm. You don't have an idea of what they paid for their used car. Yeah. Uh but uh That's op that's wide open. Yeah. Yeah. And uh uh this day and time, you know, if you go in and you know what you're doing, you know, you need to you need to do that. Yeah. Because you know, you know what you're doing, and uh, uh, I don't, you know, I just don't like some of the things because you take advantage of somebody that can't do the math, somebody that doesn't understand. You're taking advantage of those people, yeah. and that's not fair. It's not fair. You, you, you know, one of the areas that a whole lot of money is made is actually in the education system. We all know that, of course. And uh, what what's What's really bothered me is where is all of that information coming from, putting in the new books, all the changes that are going on, because it's pretty much new books every year. No, so no. It's not, no, it's every, not now? Every five years, every five years you have to change the books. I don't know why you have to if they're good but enough. But are there exceptions? Uh, the only exception would be if uh, the state standards change. And when the state standards change, then you have to have a book to match that. Can a, can a state standard override federal standards that, no. are, that are placed down? No. Because I know money affects both ends. Yeah, no. Uh, the state determines the curriculum and the guidelines. Uh, uh, and unfortunately, and I don't, I don't mean this disrespectfully, we have a lot of young people that are in the upper, upper uh, echelon of the education system, mm -hmm. and they're making a lot of changes. And some of those changes are good for some people, but they're not good for all of them. Mm -hmm. And we've, uh, the way that we're teaching, right, just say I was at Blackman mm -hmm. teaching eighth grade science. Mm -hmm. They had changed, the, cur the curriculum had changed so much and the standards had changed so much, it was almost impossible 
to do exactly what they want you to do and mm-hmm. teach the way they wanted everything done pretty much hands on. Yeah. You learn on your own. Yeah. Well, that works for some people, but it don't work for everybody. And you have to you have to I don't know, be smart enough and have enough common sense to to teach it the best way that you know how to teach it. Mm-hmm. When I was in Rutherford County, just I don't mean this in I taught the standards the way they were supposed to be taught. Yeah. Because my job and status depended upon the test. Mm -hmm. I taught the standards. But I taught the standards my way. Mm -hmm. I taught the standards my way, the way. Does does, does all the teachers have those type options? Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, It's really, especially in a science department, and those lower grades, I just... uh, uh, it's and then you know homework and things like that. It's changed so much. I mean, I used to give homework when I first started. Teaching, you know, you'd give them homework and you'd give them enough that it wasn't too much. You know, and you pretty much you know nightly. They have to have a life too. Kids do. Yeah, and uh, and then it got to be where well, do you give homework? Yeah. Well, I, you know, some systems oh, you don't give homework. And then you've got this makeup time. You know, you get three days to make it up, or you get five days to make it up. It depends on how many days you're out of school, mm-hmm. if you miss a test or, you know. And uh, then homework. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the kid didn't turn it in. I had an assistant principal tell me one time, well, it doesn't make any difference when they turn it in. Well, <laughs> If they wait four or five weeks to turn it in, and then they turn it in right at the end of the six weeks, and you got, you know, a, a pile of papers, and you're a teacher to sign, you know, to regrade, yeah, uh, you know, that's not fair to the teacher. Yeah. And uh, I looked at her and I said, "Have you been in the real world?" I said, "When I was in the real world, you know, I did, you know, I've done a few things, but, you know, if my boss said you're going to have this tomorrow, you had it tomorrow." Yeah, you know, I didn't go in and say, "Well, I couldn't do it last night." I took the family out to eat, but I mean, nowadays, I mean, my daughter was telling me the other day, "I want to teach it chemistry." Mm-hmm. She said, "You know, she had kids on vacation before before fall break. The kids on vacation. Parents parent took off, and and they didn't turn in their work." Yeah. Well, you have to excuse it. You have to give them time to redo it. You've got to be kidding. No. No, and I'm thinking, huh? Uh, Who's that fair to? A a teacher this day and time, I don't think I could do it. I really don't believe I could do it. Uh, You know, I had 40 years of experience of teaching. And teaching today uh, the way that they're having to do and the way that some of them do. You know, you've got some online. You've got some in the classroom. And, you know... Uh, they're calling in. What was it? My daughter said she had uh, 300 emails one week mm. from kids, most from kids, about questions that were answered in the uh, emails that she sent to everybody. Mm-hmm. The questions were answered, and they're you know they're emailing, emailing, emailing. Even during fall break, she was consistently getting emails from parents. And teachers, I mean parents and students, in fall break. And uh, where's the structure in that? Well, 
it's you know it's a uh, a whole different ball game, and you got somebody you're virtual, and they're on a screen. Some of them are not even on a screen; they're they're virtual, but they don't have their pictures on. Hmm. They're on, but they're not on, and you've never seen them. You know, it's a kid you've never seen in your life, and you know they're on. They're just talking, yeah. and then you've got those sitting in the classroom that you're trying to teach, and then you've got this virtual screen that you're trying to teach. I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Now, a lot of schools, you know, they're putting certain teachers, they do the virtual and the others do the in-school. Mm-hmm. Now, the ones that do the in-school, uh, to me, they're a lot better off because they've got fewer students and, you know, and they've got personal contact. They can see them. These others, they're virtual. Some of them they can see, some of them they can't. They don't. Mm-hmm. And some of them sign in, some of them don't sign in. And if they don't sign in, they still, in some of the schools, they can make it up. If, mm-hmm. if they're not on, you know, they can do it three days later or four days later or five days later. I don't know. It's it's just, you know. And it makes you worry about the future. Well, sure it does. And then, you know, they're already saying the scores are going down. And, uh, you know, being a superintendent or a school board member, mm-hmm. my goodness, the the pressure and and dealing with that, then it trickles down, you know, what do the principals do? Mm-hmm. Uh, then what are the teachers going to do? you got a curriculum to teach. Yeah. And what's the best way to teach it? And, you know, I was like the one that teaches chemistry. She said, you know, Dad, you know, I go to the board. And, you know, and, and I put stuff up there, and you know, and we discuss it. And, you know, what am I going to do? I said, well, you just have to, you know, put that on your your camera and, you know, and do it the best you can. Well, what about the kids? You know, the other kids, the other kids have got these uh, plastic things around them mm-hmm. and uh, for protection, which is okay. Well, they can't see the board through it. Hmm. So they have to be virtual so they can see. So it's just, uh, you know, I don't know how teachers do it. I mean, they, you know, uh, you know, uh, they've just, it's tough. I don't care what they're teaching, it's tough. And I can't imagine teaching math without going to the board and, you know, and explaining it. Uh, I just, I can't imagine. But You know, you and I, uh, we, we, we knew the time when there was, uh, a great relationship between the teacher and the students. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the things that helped us the most because you knew the teacher cared about us. Whether they were a strong disciplinarian or not, it, we did have structure. And it, teachers, well, you know, when we grew up, teachers were well thought of in the community. Oh, yeah. Very well thought of. And I've heard some statements even today, you know, while these teachers... You know, they're, uh, and you see it on Facebook, you know, the teachers have been doing this, and some of the teachers are out there uh, in, you know, protesting or whatever. Yeah. Well, the normal teacher's probably not out there protesting. The normal teacher's at home trying to figure out what they're going to do the next day, the yeah. normal teacher. And, you know, you can't blame a teacher for what's being taught because... That curriculum was not devised by that teacher. That curriculum was devised by the state department. And uh, you're talking about books. Well, 
you have committees, and they have committees within Rutherford County and Cannon and Wilson and Williamson. I've been on those book committees where you look at the, you go through the book, you look at the, what it offers, and you decide what book is best to teach out of to teach the curriculum. Well, my last year at uh, uh, Brentwood Middle, we didn't have books. My last two years, we did not have books. We had kits. What do you mean kits? We had kits, little kits, that uh, little experiments and things in it. And they taught For us. For lab work? Yeah, things like yeah. That. that was the hands-on stuff. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't have a book. What am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do? I don't have a book. I can't give them assignments out of a book. And I had to pull all the stuff that I was going to do. I'd, using technology, using the computer, I'd pull up things. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the way I did it. Yeah. And it's totally different nowadays. Totally different. And, uh, you know, uh, book companies, your technology that they do costs you as much or more than a book. Mm. If, if you've got online books, when yeah. you're talking about online books, those online books per student actually, from what I hear, cost you more than actually the book itself. Wow, that's unbelievable. Well, and see, that's what we're dealing with. You're dealing with yeah. technology. Well, it, it, it's great food for thought this morning, and, and you've taught uh, all of us uh, a, a lot of interesting things that uh, have to do with our children and grandchildren, and I appreciate it. Well, I, I just hope that uh, we see the light someday. I'm kind of like Larry Stewart was the other day. He says, you know, well, we got to go back to some things that we taught. I'm so worried well. about Bobby broke her ankle in oh, no. two places. Yeah, so I'm, I'm worried about her, but I know she's going to get better quick. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.